to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. And today we're talking about women on money because it's happening, you guys. It's happening. What? Yeah, women, there's going to be a, a lady on some money. And as of this recording, we don't know who yet. But we know that a woman's face, in portrait, possibly, will appear on the $10 bill. In the United States of America. In the United States. That's right. It's happening on the 10 in 2020 because that is the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. So... The U.S. Treasury was like, oh, hey, we haven't had a woman on paper money in a really, really, really long time. And people have been talking about women getting on the 20 or something like that. So let's compromise and put her on the 10. <laughs> All right. It will be 78 percent smaller yes. than the regular 10. Um, but yeah, Treasury Secretary Jacob Liu said that it will be a woman who was a champion for our inclusive democracy. Uh, and the current $10 inhabitant, founding father and OG Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton will still be on the bill, but they haven't decided if he's still going to be on a $10 bill like normal and then women will have their own $10 bill or if Hamilton will just be somewhere else rather than in that prime center position on the bill. I really hope that they have the woman's face front and center and then sort of a tableau off on the side like a nature scene and you can see Hamilton <laughs> peeking out from behind a bush all like, what happened? A money tree? Oh yes, exactly. Hamilton's scrambling up a money tree, little binoculars like, who? who is this Who is this female? Well, I mean that description of like a potential image imagery on on money sounds like it's strange, but that's what our money used to look like, not Hamilton peeking through a money tree or bush or something shrubbery. Uh, But our money did used to have so much crazy imagery on it, whether it was animals or plants or buildings or just general, like, scenes from history. Roller coasters. Frankenstein, fun fact, <laughs> used to be on the five. Bride of Frankenstein? Bride. No, not the bride. Caroline, that's a woman. Oh my God. No. Yeah, the faces actually on our paper money in the U.S. haven't changed since 1929 when Andrew Jackson replaced Grover Cleveland on the 20. And more about Andrew Jackson on the 20 in a minute. But the reason why this change to money happened in 29 was was when, because the U.S. government was instituting some new rules about U.S. currency because in, in one case, one of the, I don't know if he was Treasury Secretary or not, um, and I don't have his name in front of me, but a guy with the power to do so decided to put himself on a bill and all of the other folks were like, whoa, okay, we need to, we need to make some rules. So one of which is that whoever is on money has to be dead. Yeah. That way living people can't, you know, play God and put themselves on cash. Well, I mean, other people have the faces of currently alive individuals on their money. I mean, look at look at the Queen of England and British Commonwealth states and all of her crown dependencies. She's on plenty of money and she's still trucking right along. She's always making it rain with with her face all over cash. <laughs> 
Um, but as a, a lot of people have probably heard now in the reporting on this forthcoming $10 bill, this woman will not be the very first American lady on paper money in the U.S. In fact, the first was Lady Martha Washington. That's right. First First Lady Martha Washington uh, was on one of the first $1 silver certificates, which used to be a pretty common type of currency. And legend has it that Martha even donated some silverware to be melted down and made into some of the country's earliest money. The half Disney, which I really think that they should just bring back the half Disney. Yeah, that totally looks like a typo. Yeah, like <laughs> I think you meant dimes. <laughs> no, Disney. Okay. Um, yeah. So some people are saying, well, well, maybe that was actual like payback in a way of like, thanks for that silver. Oh, and for being the first first lady. Here, here is a silver certificate. But then she was removed when the redesigned silver note was issued. In 1896. But she wasn't the only one. There was also Pocahontas, a.k.a. Matawaka, who appeared on a $20 note from the mid-19th century. But she wasn't the only person on there. And it was a depiction of her Christian baptism, which isn't exactly honoring her so much as us just uh, celebrating cultural erasure. Sure. So while we might not have been super big on putting real life women on our money, we were pretty cool about putting putting fake allegorical uh, mythological women on our money. Yeah, we actually found a, a really fascinating paper about the symbolism of American money in a journal called the Communication Review from 2008. And it talked about how pre-Revolutionary War, each colony had images of things relevant to itself. So this is what Caroline was talking about earlier in terms of how money in the United States used to be a lot more fun. So the, this pre-Revolutionary War currency would have things like flora and fauna and ships and buildings and not actually Frankenstein or Frankenstein's <laughs> bride, as I joked earlier. Um, whereas during the revolution, imagery on money really started to veer into more anti-monarchial, patriotic uh, tableaus that we think of more today. So when it comes to these allegorical women, you have, of course, like uh, Lady Liberty. You have women symbolizing fertility, history, even science. Science was dressed up with, with a nice little gown on and her hair all up. Hashtag distractingly sexy. Exactly. And these allegorical or mythological characters were largely done away with when Treasury Secretary Lyman Gage called for, quote, less, less whirling dervish figures, nude or otherwise, basically in an effort to make uh, banknotes. All business. All business all the time on our money. No no more of these women with their flowing robes symbolizing liberty and agricultural fertility and, God forbid, science. And this was a sentiment that ended up getting echoed by senators' wives in the late 19th century when a partially nude but with beautiful flowing capes and robes woman holding a light and symbolizing the power of electricity graced the back of a special edition $5 banknote. Electricity ended up getting removed. Did the senators' wives think she was too scandalous? I think so, yeah. 
Oh, come too, on. Too scandalous. And I would refer these these women to our episode on the nude. Yes, they need to listen to that episode on the female nude. And I just love the idea of Lady Electricity. Is she hanging out with Lady Liberty on the weekends? She should be, yeah. She's holding up her light bulb. Like, she's got a great idea all the time. Oh, man, you know what? I bet they're rivals then, because you got Lady Liberty holding up the torch, and yeah. she's like, what is this? <laughs> I got I got fire. You've got this and, newfangled electricity. And they're both like, can I, can I put my arm down? I'm like, my arm's real tired. I would love to, like, reach down and be able to pull my robes across my chest, but it's just, like, so breezy. Can I... No? All right. It's hard out there for an allegorical female figure <laughs> on U.S. currency, Caroline. That's right. Um, we, we did have actual real-life women portrayed on some coins. I mean, this whole discussion is based on the fact that we are about to get a woman, well, about to, in 2020, about to get a woman on paper money. But we did have some women appear on coins. Three of them. Three of oh them. Oh, my gosh. We better yeah. watch out. Especially if you don't count allegorical fake not real women like the Statue of Liberty or Lady Liberty um, we had Helen Keller Sacagawea and Susan B. Anthony who've all been on coins but historically like this country just doesn't do well with coins we tend to get very confused about them um, so back in the 1970s, when the debate was going on over what woman would go on the dollar coin, the Treasury did recommend old Treasury. They recommended the Statue of Liberty, to which Colorado Congresswoman Patricia Schroeder said, you guys, we have real birds and real buffalo on our coins. It's time we had a real woman. No more of this shirtless electricity. We need we need a woman who actually lived and breathed. So, in 1979, we got that with suffragist Susan B. Anthony winning out over the statue, becoming the first woman to appear on a U.S. coin. But the downside of that is that fewer than 800 million were produced, and people were very confused about the Susan B. Anthony coin. They often thought it was a quarter, and then were like, oh, no, wait, it's a dollar. What do I do with this? Does this Coke machine accept Susan B. Anthony coins? Uh, I know. I feel like I've used somebody. I, I feel like instantly when someone gives me a dollar coin. I look I look at it in my hand and then I look at them like do you hate me? I think you're doing this as like a passive jab at me somehow because ultimately when I go to the freaking vending machine, the vending machine will give me what I want, but it gets confused. See, it's confusing even robots. And then I don't get my change. I need 3 quarters back, although I don't know what an eventing machine would only be a quarter. I will stock up on my singles <laughs> for you. Thanks. Well, the same thing, though, happened with Sacagawea on the golden dollar coin, which came out in 2000, where again, people were like, what do I, what do I do with this? <laughs> Hello. I mean, I feel like, uh, Europe has coin money figured out way better than the U.S. has. We are just, we really have some, just incompetence when it comes to not only making, but also spending money. And then you've got Helen Keller. She was not on a, uh, on a dollar coin. She was on the back of a quarter. So, so less confusing for people to, to use. Uh, she appeared on the back of the special edition Alabama state quarter. You know, every state, if you're in America, you know this, I'm not explaining anything new to you, but, uh, there was a state series released. And so, a quarter had George Washington on the front. On the back, it had something symbolizing the state in recognition of when it joined the Union, blah, blah, blah. And so Alabama put, among other things, Helen Keller. 
So that was good and a lot less confusing for Americans who really only know what to do with paper money. Paper money and quarters. And quarters. Quarters do get used. Yeah, it's really just the dollar coin that really throws people off. (laughs) Yeah, but... Other countries have had no problem at all, it seems like, putting women on their money. So Time Magazine did a whole roundup of currency around the world featuring women. So let's hop on over to Syria, which features Queen Zenobia, which if you don't know who Queen Zenobia is, first of all, Stuff You Missed in History class, our sister podcast, has a fantastic episode on her. And we mention her in a roundup of Queens Who Fought to Rule over at StuffMomNeverToldYou.com learn more about Zenobia. She was quite a woman. And then if you go to the Philippines, you have Corazon Aquino, who was the first female president of the Philippines on some money. Head over to Israel. You have a poet, Rachel Bluestein, who's on on money. You don't even have to be a president. You can be a poet. That's right. And then other countries with women on their money include Turkey, Mexico, Argentina, New Zealand, Sweden, and Australia. Um... But there is another country that uh, it's it's not without controversy when a woman wants to when someone wants to put a woman on money, uh, and that that's England. Uh, the Bank of England announced in 2013 that it would replace Charles Darwin with Jane Austen on its 10 pound notes, and and the whole point is like let's pick someone who's inoffensive, non controversial, like you know somebody who everybody can kind of get behind. And Jane Austen's a pretty safe choice, uh, but nobody nobody was happy. Uh, people freaked out. They called her a sneering chronicler of petty squabbles. Uh, they called her ugly, which uh, anyway, uh, they protested the fact that she was a white woman and not a person of color, that she's too obsessed with money. And other people just simply said she's too safe a choice. We need somebody who's either a leader or uh, an activist of some kind. Do you think that part of the uproar over that was that she was replacing Charles Darwin? And so maybe they're like, well, you know, those are big. I mean, it could be because a lot of the arguments here now regarding Alexander Hamilton on the 10, I mean, it kind of echoes the same argument. Uh, but then you have to look at the fact also that the the two women who led the campaign to put a woman on paper currency ended up themselves facing threats of rape and other violence. So it's probably not about Jane Austen. Exactly. Yeah, the fact that some people were issuing bomb threats, threats of violence, threats of rape mm-hmm. against the woman who in Great Britain who campaigned to get this Jane Austen bill through is... Uh, mind-boggling to me. I know I shouldn't be surprised, but for that, it is surprising because it's like, why, why would someone have such a personal stake in a dead person's face on money that you would make a rape threat to a stranger? Yeah. Well, Kristen, when you put it that way, you know, I mean, that's that's wild. Well, let's let's talk, though, about those women in the U.S. who spearheaded this campaign, which has ultimately led to this 202010. Well, so here in the U.S., people aren't fighting over Jane Austen. Uh, entrepreneur Barbara Ortiz Howard and journalist Susan Aids Stone teamed up to launch the Women on Twenties campaign. And they got the idea when President Obama said something in a speech about it being a pretty good idea to put a woman on U.S. currency. And the thing is, 
he has the, the power to do that. He could tell the Treasury Department to do so. Um, but Ortiz, Howard and Stone specifically wanted to replace Old Hickory on the 20, not Hamilton on the 10, because this is a guy who helped pass the Indian Removal Act of 1830, which ultimately led to the Trail of Tears, basically sought to wipe out Native Americans uh, to further the progress of white people. Um, and he wasn't super big on paper money anyway. This This is a guy who was all about the silver and gold standard who also would have had nothing nice to say about Americans who can't figure out the dollar coin. And when it comes to how he got on the 20 to begin with, the history is murky. There wasn't even a compelling reason at the time for him specifically to get on that bill. So in March and April, Women on the 20s polled more than a million visitors to their website and it's to find out who people think should replace Jackson on the 20. And Harriet Tubman came out on top, followed by Eleanor Roosevelt, Rosa Parks, and Wilma Mankiller. And this grassroots campaign was so wildly successful. It got so much media coverage. Um, there was even a room for debate section uh, at the New York Times featuring all sorts of female luminaries sort of doing their own nominations for who they think should be on the 20. Yeah, Gloria Steinem promoted Sojourner Truth, Roxanne Gay advocated for Margaret Sanger, and Linda Chavez, who's the president of the conservative nonprofit Becoming American Institute, recommended Emma Lazarus, who's a poet whose words appear on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, and so on. Um, and so this, all of this media attention, all of these voices chiming in together, was enough to inspire some action. New Hampshire Senator Jean Shaheen introduced a bill to mandate that a woman be placed on the 20. Again, the 20 specifically. So why why was the 10 chosen? Were women just being shortchanged, so to speak? <laughs> I like that numismatic pun, Caroline. Thank you. Well, the reason why the 10 was chosen, so the Treasury Department says, is because it was on their to-do list for a redesign. It was next in line to get a little bit of a makeover, and officials decided on the 10 back in 2013. And really, the design is for the purpose of uh, beating counterfeits. So it takes about a decade to redesign and produce a new note because... Government. Yeah, because government. Um, so it was sort of a record scratch moment, though, for the $20 campaigners, because on the one hand, it's like, OK, we are getting a woman on some paper money, but it's not the 20. And there was something very specific and so uh, so pointed about women on the 20s. They weren't campaigning for the 10. They wanted specifically to get rid of Andrew Jackson. So Ortiz Howard told The Atlantic, quote, this was originally supposed to be a celebration of women and their contributions to this country. And a great byproduct was going to be replacing someone who represents hate, i.e. Andrew Jackson. And now she said, we have a bit of a curveball. Yeah. And so that curveball has helped spark a bit of a backlash. So not only is uh, our old buddy Hamilton getting pushed aside, but he's getting pushed aside for a woman, which is uh, really offensive to a lot of people. And not only is Hamilton getting pushed aside for a woman, but it's happening because of a campaign by women about women. It's the same kind of. 
aggressive response that a lot of people had to the women who started the the campaign in England to get not necessarily specifically Jane Austen, but just to get a woman on the money. A lot of people have had a lot of strong responses. And one big name who's come out against particularly a woman replacing Hamilton is Ben Bernanke. He's the former Federal Reserve chairman who chimed in on his blog and said, I must admit I was appalled to hear of Treasury Secretary Jack Lew's decision last week to demote Alexander Hamilton from his featured position on the $10 bill. And he was basically saying that, yeah, it's fine to put a woman on paper money, but it shouldn't come at Hamilton's expense. And so what is the deal? Why are people so upset about Hamilton leaving? Well, he was an incredibly influential founding father, and he wrote two-thirds of the Federalist Papers, which were written to persuade people to ratify the Constitution. And in the process of all of this, he designed much of the executive branch, including what would become the Federal Reserve. So he really helped lay the groundwork for our Treasury system. He like was instrumental in that money getting into yeah. our hands. Well, he was climbing all of those money trees to spy on yes. Martha. What was it, Martha Washington? Martha? No, well, possibly Martha Washington, but any woman, you know, who's oh, right. going to be on the new 2022, oh, right. as I call it. See, I've already lost. Yeah, I've already. There we go. I just I can't get the the picture of Hamilton in a tree out of my head with a like little little telescope. And I agree, honestly, with Bernanke. Great idea. Put a woman on some money, but leave Hamilton in place. He's the one that makes sense out of really anybody who's on our money. <laughs> She's Kristen's waving her hands I, around. My hands are in the air. I'm waving them <laughs> like I just don't care, <laughs> Caroline, because it's wild to me that Andrew Jackson is staying in place. And that just I know that there's the the Treasury, very valid argument of, listen, there's an order that we do this in. The 10 is next. And he, you ladies are going a little a little wild with this women on 20s yeah. campaign. We're getting a lot of pressure. We've got the centennial of women's suffrage coming up. Boom. Special edition 10. But I, I'm just saying it's not good enough. Well, there are other people saying that this isn't uh, good enough either. If we replace Hamilton with someone like Harriet Tubman, you know, a lot of people have advocated for not just uh, Tubman, but Sojourner Truth, Rosa Parks, women who've been important in uh, the civil rights movement throughout our country's history. And for instance, Kirsten West Savali over at The Root wrote that no amount of subversive symbolism changes the fact that the the U.S. does not value black women. And she's pointing out that, yes, yes, we should honor these women. We should honor Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and Rosa Parks. But putting them on money in the United States is not the way to do it. She says that's not progress. It's hush money. And she says, also, why would black women celebrate the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment when they weren't able to vote somewhat freely, she says, until the Voting Rights Act of 1965? Yeah, a lot of of people like that have pointed out how this whole money and capitalism system is directly related to, oh, I don't know, slavery and the things that Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks were dedicating their lives to break free from and, and the legacy of slavery. So it is it, it just seems darkly ironic to then put one of their faces on the ultimate symbol of that capitalist system. Yeah, so she's basically saying, yes, find other ways to honor these women and honor them loudly and constantly, but find a different way. 
other than putting them on money. And then, of course, you have uh, the backlash that's gotten a lot more traction in the media, I feel like, which is from a lot of various men's rights activist groups who are saying that there there are not enough qualified women to even consider putting on money. Um, or there's the argument that uh, unless a woman has fought for the rights of men and women, she should not go on money. People like uh, Sojourner Truth didn't do enough to advocate for men. Eleanor Roosevelt didn't do enough to advocate for men specifically, no matter the fact that these people were dedicated to helping African-American lives or women's lives or human rights in general, it's not enough. A lot of men's rights activists are saying, but we need someone who actively fought for men, too. But men's rights activists also operate from the faulty logic that gender equality is a zero-sum game, and I got no time for that. Yeah, and I think that is a sentiment that's been underlying a lot of this a lot of the more fringe discussions on this topic, not maybe so much the Time Magazine or New York Times discussion of putting a woman on the 10 or the 20, but yeah, this idea that somehow putting a woman on money takes something away from men. Well, because it does actually take away. In this case, it does take something away. It takes one man's face away from us seeing it when we pull it out of our wallets. But I mean, other countries redesign... Money and we in our country's history have a long history of redesigning money and putting plants on it. And, you know, so. <laughs> oh, I know. It's absolutely ridiculous, but I feel like this starts to stray off into a whole other conversation of how equality and civil rights and recognizing contributions of a diverse group of people does not always inherently come at the expense of someone else. That uplifting one group does not simultaneously push another group down. And creating your own oppression in that way is just faulty. But then again, men's rights say that women are oppressing themselves. So, again, I don't even have time or interest in engaging in that. Well, and and you could also ask, what's the big deal? What's the, on either side, what's the big deal about putting a woman on money? What's the big deal about taking a man off of money? You know, but uh, that study that you cited earlier, Kristen, from the communication review in 2008, they looked at this this meaning behind money. And it's a very purposeful thing that governments, not just the United States, but that governments do is to imbue money with a lot of meaning. Um, so they're looking at money basically as mass communication and reinforcing a national identity. And they say that since paper money itself is essentially worthless, the documentary and aesthetic conventions of it reveal a government's attempt to insert value, legitimacy, and also social trust. And so our money combines imagery associated with the formal political and legal authority, but also nationalist themes. I mean, as we talked about, you know, in in our early history, you had uh, women symbolizing liberty or science or or progress. Um, And so they write together these mutually reinforcing strategies, merge the contractual obligations of the state with the sacred bonds of national identity. And so we are supposed to connect with the ideas on money. We're supposed to see the political stuff and the legal stuff to consider our money a very official thing that we can trust that when we take it to the gas station to pay for a candy bar that we will get that candy bar. Um, but it's also um, something that portrays 
images of national pride so that we also really identify with our money. It's pride and also national values, such as In God We Trust being printed on paper money, specifically during the Cold War, to contrast those godless communists. Right, right. So whether we support capitalism and its outcomes, which have not been very kind to a lot of people in this country, um, or not, you can't deny that the symbolism of currency around the world is quite powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. And I do, and, and I am happy to see that there will be a woman on some kind of paper money in the U.S., especially when we, again, going back to that uh, time roundup of global currency featuring women, it's just like, yet again, it's like the United States, just catch up. Just mm-hmm. put a woman on some currency. Uh, for instance, uh, just quick shout out to New Zealand. Uh, one, some of their money features Kate Shepard, who was the suffragist or suffragette, uh, I think she would be appropriately labeled, who pushed through uh, voting rights for women in New Zealand, making it the very first country in the world granting universal voting rights to women. And to then put her face on that currency, to me, says a lot about how New Zealand takes a lot of pride and values that work. But it is funny in that awful way, not in a great funny haha way, um, that the response to women or anyone advocating for women to be on money is not that far away from the response to women who wanted the vote. And how appropriate, because that's what this is marking is the 100th anniversary of women getting the vote. And so people are still telling women, sit down. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Why are you asking for so much? Shouldn't you just be happy that you have money in your wallet? Why do you have to be on it, too? Exactly. Yeah. If we, oh, it's a slippery slope. We put a woman on on money. Next thing you know, there'll be one spending it in the White House. Um, I, I think, though, really, the appropriate commemorative bill that needs to come out is just a 78 cent um, paper paper bill. Yeah, because that's that's another thing, too, that doesn't sit entirely easy with me where it's like, but there's so much economic disparity that still exists between the sexes. And uh, why don't we talk more about that? You know, I, I wonder if if the do you think at all this conversation distracts away from that, especially talking about women of color. I mean, the fact that if you start drilling down into economic disparity when it comes to women, that black women and Latino women are even more disproportionately disenfranchised when it comes to our money in the U.S. Yeah, I just don't want to see. And and no, I, I mean, I agree with you in the extent that uh, I would like to see Andrew Jackson removed before Alexander Hamilton, but I just I hope uh, that it's not just a special edition bill because all of those dollar coins were essentially special edition. Yes, they were supposed to be used. Yes, they were minted and circulated. But again, not as many of them were minted as like a regular coin. Um, and so people were just dismissing these things as like not being useful. And so I would like to to see the woman on whatever bill it is and whatever woman it is actually be, you know, regular money. Well, and speaking of regular money, we don't have the stats in front of us, but uh, there was that uh, 
infographic we saw of money circulated, paper money circulated in the U.S., and it's pretty much all ones and twenties. Mm-hmm. The ten is rarely used. I'll use a five before I use a ten. I don't know the last time I had a ten in my wallet, Caroline. Well, because yeah, the ATM only gives out. I wish the ATM gave out ten dollar bills. The yeah. ATM only gives me twenties. We've got a laundry list of <laughs> currency updates that we want to we want to press through. <laughs> Maybe maybe you just need like a women's face on all debit cards because I really just use that now. <laughs> yeah, really really ruffles some men's rights feathers. Um, and with that, what do you think about the currency debate? Do you think it's a great thing? Do you have a woman that you would love to see on the ten? Are you equally distraught that Hamilton's getting kicked off instead of old hickory? Momstuffathowstuffworks.com is where you can send us your thoughts. You can also tweet us at momstuffpodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. Okay, well, I have a letter here from a listener who would like to remain anonymous, and she's a new Sminty listener. And she says, I've been particularly enjoying your podcasts about women working in different male-oriented roles, such as carpentry, construction, and architecture. I also work in a male-oriented environment because about a year ago, I resigned my very sensible office job and joined the ambulance service. I'm currently working as an emergency care assistant, so I spend a lot of time running around after the paramedics and carrying their bags. But we all have to start somewhere, right? When I joined the AMBO service, I really imagined that I'd be working with caring people who treated people really well. Sadly, there are many people who let the team down with an endless stream of sexist and or racist comments. I'm constantly subjected to sexual harassment, bullying, and moaning about how they shouldn't let women do this job. I've been groped by coworkers and made to feel like I'm utterly useless by men who push me out of the way and won't let me help carry sick people or help out with the other physical demands of my very physically challenging job. Other women in my workplace have experienced the same problems, and some are more bothered than others. One of my female workmates says that if some chauvin man wants to hurt his back carrying a 250 pound man rather him than her a lot of these guys seem to think that they are he man and that a tough guy attitude is all that's needed to get the job done never mind the fact that we spend a lot of our time taking care of little old ladies who feel threatened by this overly macho approach as for the racism there is not a single black person working for my ambulance trust and i do wonder if they've all been pushed away Despite all this, I'm sticking with it. I do love the job, if not the people, and find it endlessly rewarding. I've been accepted into the country's best paramedic training program and start in September. I'm hoping that'll show a few people what I'm made of. So although I continue to let people think I am tough as old boots and wear my emotional armor to work, I must confide that I spend every day quivering inside. Thanks for the great podcast. Please send my love and support to all other women dealing with similar issues in the workplace and tell them to stick with it as I do believe that eventually all of this will get better. So I've got a letter here from Stephanie about our skateboarding women two-parter, and she writes, Greetings from Australia. I'm a longtime listener and fan of the podcast and found your recent episode on skateboarding particularly interesting as it's a hobby of mine, something I do mainly just to get from A to B. 
I had a bit of an aha moment while listening to this episode because a few weeks ago I was researching buying a particular board and found myself on the website for a major skate brand, Element, and something stood out to me and made me feel a little sad inside. They sell a whole lot of non-skateboard products like clothes, so they split the site into men's and women's stuff. And interestingly, they put all the actual skateboarding stuff under the men's category. The women's section is purely clothing and accessories, which just seems to be blatantly loaded with too many assumptions for my taste. I never really stopped to consider the gendering of skating before this because I'd always thought about it as just a fun thing to do, and it was quite popular when I lived in a women's dormitory at university. Hope you found this interesting stuff. And I went to that website and checked it out, and it's so true. Yeah, so much, so much cute clothes for women, and you just kind of had to dig in the men's section to find the skateboards. So, gendering of skateboards totally exists, y'all. And if you have emails to send to us, momstuff at howstuffworks.com is that email address. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts, including this one with our sources, if you want to learn more about women on money, head on over to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com. and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 